Good. We're so glad that you are here and hope that you plan on joining us later on today at the church picnic, um, which will be going on right after the service over at Victor Ash Park. And we hope that everybody's there. I know. Yeah. Riley's excited. <laughs> Riley's excited. My kids have always loved the church picnic from when they used to ride scooters and bikes around the park to uh, playing flag football or playing tackle football sometimes and all kinds of stuff, eating good stuff and, and just hanging out with everybody. It's a fun time. We had a good time yesterday. Uh, they had a picnic here at our park for the community. We had a good turnout. Josh went real well yesterday and uh, we were just talking a little bit about it. We had some folks from the neighborhood. We had some people that weren't from the neighborhood. We had some refugees. We had a nice mix of, uh, of people and a great turnout from West Lonsdale. So thank you for those of you that came out and participated and supplied food and uh, worked it and everything. We just, uh, we enjoy that and, and, and we appreciate it. You know, too many of us, um, too many people in the church today are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just takers. They just take. They take whatever the church gives. Uh, if we provide something, they'll take it, but they're not going to give anything. They're not going to give time. They're not going to give effort. They're not going to give participation. Um, we had a great crowd out yesterday that gave on a Saturday um, at game time. And let's be honest, while we might have thought we knew how it was going to go, we didn't know how it was going to go. And so on a rivalry Saturday, we had a lot of people out here that came out and gave and, and participated. And, and we appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, to 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 the staff and it means a lot to those that organized it to have people that'll come out and and give and people that'll come out and and do and and so thank you so much for that and we hope that we can see you later on today at uh, at the church picnic which is a time for us to fellowship and celebrate and hang out together and spend some time um, as a church family we've been going through a series called creeping in and we've been talking about dealing with doubt it's something that Almost all believers, if not all, every believer goes through at some point. They they struggle with their faith. Maybe they 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 struggle a little bit with some of the concepts of God. Maybe they struggle with the reality of their relationship with God. Maybe they deal with with doubt in God's plan and 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 purpose for their life. I think all of us at some point have probably questioned what's my what's my reason for existence? What's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Um, many of us have questioned the goodness of God. We've doubted the goodness of God at some point in time when maybe a family member that's always been a committed believer or given so much of their life to others and yet they, they come up with, with a sickness or a disease or an illness and, and we can't understand that or someone unexpectedly loses their life in, a, in an automobile accident or something like that and we just go, God, why? Why would you allow that to happen to this person or why to my family or why do we seem to constantly deal with this and so we deal with this concept of of doubt and if we don't allow it if we don't stop it from creeping in because that always starts as a slow creep um it always starts as kind of a a, a gentle walk and then it eventually makes its way in and it begins to thunder throughout our life and it begins to shake the very foundations of our faith and when our faith is shaken, as we're going to see this morning, it impacts so much more. So if we don't figure out how to recognize it, if we don't figure out how to deal with it, if we don't figure out how to, to stop it in our lives, then eventually it will take over, it will consume us, and that doubt will then turn into uh, 
not just a, a nagging doubt in the back of our mind, but it will turn into a new worldview and it will turn into um, the driving force of our life and eventually it will drive a wedge between us and God and push us away. We're seeing it in the church today all over the country. Um, those that have grown up in the church that have had lingering doubts in the back of their minds that never dealt with those. They just pushed them aside and said, it'll be all right, it'll be fine. And they never dealt with them and they eventually creep in. And then in their 30s and in their 40s, we see them walking away from the church in mass numbers today. Um, as I said at the beginning of this series, it's not the college students that we've always been warned about leaving the church that we're worried about today in the church in America. It's the 30s and 40s that are walking away in mass numbers. Those that have had those lingering doubts, maybe they started when they were younger, maybe they started when they were in their 20s or in college and, and they never dealt with those. They just simply suppressed them and said it's okay and they dealt with just their rote programming and in, in biblical knowledge, but they didn't really have uh, faith foundation. They just believed because they'd been told that was accurate. And as they, that began to be shaken, then they allowed that to stay in their life and dwell on it in their life. And eventually they hit their 30s and their 40s and they just go, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth the, the thought. It's not worth the battle. It's not worth the work. I'll just walk away. And they're walking away from the church today. And so this morning we're going to take this journey in doubt, and we're going to start to look at some of the side effects that come from doubt in our spiritual life, because sometimes we don't recognize doubt in our life. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't realize that we're maybe questioning certain things of God, but we can recognize the side effects that, that come into our life because of it. And one of the major side effects of doubt in our life is, is anxiety and fear. Um, doubt brings about anxiousness in our life. And there's a few reasons for that, and we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit this morning. But um, as unbelief gets the upper hand in our heart, anxiety begins to creep in. And much anxiety, Jesus would say, comes from little faith. As believers dwell on doubt rather than seeking answers and facing their doubt, their fundamental base is shaken. And when our fundamental base, when the base of something is shaken, it impacts everything above it. If the foundation of a house begins to crack, if the foundation of a house is shaken, then it begins to impact everything that goes on above the, the foundation. It's not just the foundation that's impacted by that, but everything that's, that goes on above it. And it impacts doubt and anxiety begin to impact our worldview, which causes us to reevaluate what we know and what we know to be true. And then we begin to say to ourselves, well, if this part is possibly not true, then how can I trust this? Or how can I believe this? If we begin to question the goodness of God, then how can we believe the perfection of God? If we can't believe the perfection of God, then how can we, uh, how can we trust the plan of God? And if we can't trust the plan of God, then how can we truly trust the salvation of God? And so as one thing begins to shake, then the rest of it shakes. And when we're on shakier ground, our fear and anxiety begin to rise. When we're on uncertain ground, fear and anxiety rise. Uncertainty begins to creep in and it starts to set up some unfamiliar thoughts in our lives. It, it, it causes fear levels to Rise! I told you guys about me going to the Sky Bridge in Gatlinburg the other week for Leanne's birthday, and um, 
it was amazing how many people, now I was pretty terrified out there, but it was amazing how many people, the farther out they would get and the more that the bridge would begin to, to waver, they would just stop and go, I'm not going any farther. And they would just turn around and go back. They, would get, they wouldn't even make it to the clear glass part. They would get out there and it would begin to shake and they would just go, I'm done. And they would turn around. No matter how much their husbands or wives tried to urge them on, they'd just go, nope, you can go, but I'm not going. Because when things begin to shake, fear and anxiety rise. And when fear and anxiety rise, what begins to happen? We begin to play out all kinds of scenarios in our brain and in our minds. And we begin to play on those fears that are growing. And eventually we'll just walk away and our faith life is no different as fear and anxiety levels rise in our faith life and we begin to question or doubt um, the things of God then we begin to we begin to play out the worst case scenarios and eventually we just go it's not worth it I'm done I'll walk away it's not worth the effort or the time and so today we're going to look a little bit about how we deal with this and what scripture has to say about it many um, people deal with anxiety on a daily basis and scripture correlates fear and anxiety with faith um, look look in psalm chapter 56 verse 3 psalm 56 it says when i am afraid i put my trust in you leave that up there for just a minute when i'm afraid it it doesn't say if I'm afraid, it doesn't say if you are ever afraid. It says when I am afraid. It's a certainty that fear and therefore anxiety are going to be a part of our life. Like it's a given. There are going to be moments of fear. There are going to be moments of anxiousness that come into our life. Scripture understands that. It recognizes that. And it says when I'm afraid. When those levels of fear, when those levels of anxiousness, when those levels of anxiety begin to rise, it says this, I put my trust in you. The psalmist says, as that certainty of fear and anxiety and anxiousness comes, then my faith kicks in and I put my trust in you, speaking about God. There's a correlation there between fear and therefore anxiety and faith. It doesn't say, I never struggle with fear. It acknowledges the fact that fear will be part of our life. Fear strikes and a battle begins. So the Bible does not assume that true believers will have no anxieties. Instead, the Bible tells us what to do when fear and anxiety arise. The Bible tells us, hey, this is coming so here's what you do. Now the problem with that is, is that if our fear and anxiety is brought on by doubt in our life, then it makes it very difficult for us to put our faith and trust in Christ if doubt is the core root of our fear and our anxiety. So we have to deal with that. We have to move on with that. Sometimes we have to simply push forward. When you're on the bridge and it's shaking and you're trying to decide how you're going to overcome that, you have one of two options. You can turn and you can walk back the way you came or you can push on and you can trust that the bridge is going to do what the bridge is supposed to do. And the problem is a lot of us have watched Indiana Jones at times and we've seen our fair share of bridges break. We've seen our fair share of Indiana Jones hanging on as the bridge swings through the chasm and slams into the side of the wall and Indiana Jones has to 
make his way up that ladder before it completely falls apart. And that begins to play out in our minds. And so sometimes the only way to get over that is to push forward. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Again, this correlation between the fact that anxiety and fear will come, but Christ and faith are the answer. And so it says here, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Again, the idea of pushing forward into our fear and our anxiety and trusting in God even when we're doubting sometimes that He may be all that He says that He is. And so what better way to know sometimes if something is real than to push forward. So Scripture says when fear, when anxiety or upon you, cast it on Him. You're doubting God's goodness. You're doubting God's purpose in your life. You're doubting God's plan for your life. Your fear and anxiety is rising on that. Lay it on God and let Him carry it. And then you'll know where God is. You'll know who God is. When you have them, cast them on God. Many of our issues are rooted in stubbornness and pride. Many of our doubts are rooted in stubbornness and pride, stubbornness to evaluate, stubbornness to study, stubbornness to change our thoughts, or pride in the idea that there could be something out there greater than ourselves. Pride that there could be something out there that is, that is more intelligent than us, or more creative than us, or more powerful than us, or maybe just more in control than us. Because let's be honest, most of us like to be in control, right? Most of us want to be in charge of our lives. Most of us want to be in control of the things that are in our lives. We don't want to feel like we're not in control of them. And so the idea of a God that wants to be in charge of my life, the idea of a God that has a plan for me that He didn't include me in when He was concocting, sometimes that causes us to go, can that be real? Is there really a God out there that would do that? Is there really a God out there that would... That would, that would plan that. And many of our issues are rooted in stubbornness and pride. That idea of I can deal with this or I can dig myself out of this or that philosophy of just pull yourself up by your bootstraps or put your big boy pants on or just get over it, right? And we tell ourselves that and I've told my kids that and I've been told that, right? Just get over it. Just put your big boy pants on. Just, you know, move on, press on. And we assume that there's nothing that we can't do on our own. And we are very prideful in ourselves. And that ideology is rooted in personal strength. But in reality, we are nothing, nothing without God. In comparison to Him and His power, and His purposes and His plans, we pale in comparison to who He is. But yet we look at ourselves and we go, well, maybe I can figure this out a little better on my own. Maybe I can handle my life better than God can. You know what that is? That's, that's doubt rooted in pride. Maybe, maybe I can handle my relationships better without God than with God. Maybe I can handle my, my personal life. Maybe I can handle my finances. Maybe I can handle this or I can handle that better on my own than with out God and that ideology is rooted in our own personal strength but the reality is is that God is infinitely greater than we can ever be he is infinitely more intelligent infinitely more creative infinitely more powerful he is more than we could ever aspire to be 
we could ever imagine that we could be or that we could ever think possible to be, God is simply that. God doesn't have bad days, but if He did, on His very, very worst day, He would be infinitely better than we could ever be on our greatest day. And I don't know about you, but in my mind, I've had some pretty great days. I mean, in my mind, I've had some days when I was king of the world, right? When I was top of the top of the hill, I was the best that there could be. I, there's been days in my life where I've turned around and looked and thought, I couldn't get any better, right? Like, I'm just, you felt it, right? You felt it on those days. Those days when everything just seems to go your way. Those days when, you know, everything seems to fall into place. Those days when every decision you make seems to work. Those days when every team that you pull for seems to win. Those days when everything that you put on seems to fit, right? Those days when everything that you cook seems to turn out just perfect and everything you seem to eat couldn't get any better. Right? Those days when everything just seems to be absolutely perfect. And on that day, on that day where you're the best that you could be, that day that you got the raise, that day that you got the job you wanted, that day that you got the starting job, the starting uh, position on the team, that day that you made an A in a class that you didn't think you'd ever make an A in, that day that you passed the test that you had to pass to move on, on that day when you feel the absolute best that you could be, if God had bas- bad days, His worst day, would be infinitely better than that day. And yet there's so many times that we choose to base our life on personal strength. And when we do that, we begin to doubt the goodness, the purpose, the plan, the perfection, and the power of God. And as we do that, and we find ourselves out there on that island on our own, that fear and anxiety begins to rise in our life. And as we allow fear and anxiety to take hold, then it begins to... to to dwell and to grow and to fester in our life and it causes our doubt to spiral out of control and before we know it, we're not just doubting the little things but we're doubting the big things in God as well. So the question is, how do we fight this? How do we deal with this anxiety, this fear that rises in our life? And the answer to that question is this. We fight anxieties by fighting against unbelief and fighting for faith in future grace in God. And the way you fight this is to fight the good fight that we hear about in Scripture. Look at these passages of Scripture real quick. Look at 1 Timothy 6.12. It says, Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. Now look at this passage of Scripture for just a second. Again, remember... God knows everything. And God knows the makeup and the mentality of us as people. And so He knows the things that we're going to deal with in life. And so He says, I tell you what, when I'm writing Scripture, I'm going to put in there things that are useful to you. So look at the terminology of this. First of all, it says, fight the good fight for the true faith. There's... No real gray area in that. There's not this idea of, hey, if you ever struggle with faith, then fight the good fight for it. It's a certainty. Fight the good fight for faith. In other words, faith is going to be a struggle in your life. It's going to be difficult at times to trust God. There's going to be moments in our life where we 
simply want to believe in something else. Now, I know that that sounds taboo, and I know that that sounds like something that, that, a, that, that a good preacher shouldn't say. But the reality is, is that there is a whole church growing out there built on the idea of your life is bad because you don't have enough faith. That whole prosperity gospel. The reality is, is that your life is not bad because you don't have enough faith. The reality is, is that your relationship with God isn't what it should be because you don't fight the fight for faith. Scripture tells us, fight the good fight for true faith. I'm not telling you you're going to struggle in your faith life. God is telling you you are going to struggle in your faith life. It is going to be a fight, but it is a fight worth fighting. He says, hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. In other words, this faith fight, this fight for your faith is going to take you in directions at times that is going to cause you to want to walk away. But you need to hold fast to the eternal life that God has not just called you to, but that God has given you and that you've confessed in your own life. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle. We have to fight the good fight. Look at 2 Timothy 4.7. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Again, this correlation between faith and a fight. Faith and a battle. Faith and a struggle. This idea that for us to have a full life of faith doesn't just simply come by showing up to church. Church attendance is not faith in God. If you are simply attending church but never exercising belief in God in your personal life, you aren't living a life of faith. You are living a life of church attendance. Faith comes in trusting the things unseen. Faith comes in a personal daily walk with a God that you can't physically reach out and touch the way that Adam and Eve could. And there's something inside of us that fights against that in life. And so we have to battle for it. And the way that we fight fear and anxiety is by fighting for our faith, meditating, thinking about God's assurances of what He will do for us for the future, and by asking Him for help in this situation. Look again at how these two passages that we just read correlate to faith and fighting. There is a, there is a battle that will go on every day in our lives for our faith and for our trust. This idea of us having faith and it correlating to not being easy. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus say, hey, listen, trust in me and it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy every day. It's going to be easy. Nowhere in there does it say that. And nowhere in Scripture do we ever see an example of easy faith. Just a couple of weeks ago. We looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not easy faith. That was three young men who said, I'm willing to die for God. 
Three young men who said, I'm willing to die for God, and then literally had an attempt on their life. Look at Daniel. Daniel said, I could trust God's, I could doubt God's goodness here, but I'm going to trust God's goodness. I'm going to continue to pray, and where did it land him? In a lion's den. Now, over the years, because we've taught that story on a flannel graph, and we've taught it to children in a in a story, it kind of lost some of its of its power there in the fact that we just like, oh yeah, he threw him in the den with lions, and God shut the lions' mouths, and they were good. Listen, these were starving, ravenous lions. I don't know if you know much about a lion and the power that a lion can generate with its jaws, but it can bite through bone in one bite. It has the power, the strength to absolutely destroy a human skull with one swipe. And these things were sitting in the bottom of this pit. And when they were there, they were starved so that when someone was thrown in, they didn't get a chance to hit the ground because it was food and it was coming and they were going to eat it. And so Daniel, knowing that, still trusted in God. He still fought the fight. Listen, we read these stories, and if you think for a minute that these people never said, I don't know, you're crazy. The difference is not that they didn't ever question. The difference is, is they fought the fight and they pushed through. They walked forward. They said, let's just see where this goes. Let's just see how this ends. And they walked through their doubt. They walked through their struggle. And they walked into their faith. We see in Scripture great men of God who doubted in some way God's goodness, God's plan, God's perfectness, His perfection, His process. They doubted Him in some way. We see it in Scripture and yet they push on. And God does great things with them. So I want us to look quickly at four keys to dealing with our fear and anxiety and ultimately our doubt in life. These are not going to appear on the screen. You'll need to just write them down if you want to take notes. But the first is this. The first key to dealing with anxiety and fear and ultimately doubt in our life is focus on what we know to be true. Focus on what you know to be true first. Listen, when anxiety and fear begin to creep in, focus on what you know to be true. Right? When, when you're on that uncertain ground, You've got, to, you've got to locate the ground that you know to be sure and run to that first. Right? Because if I just stay where I'm at, if I just stay on the shaky ground, if I just stay on the questionable ground, then I'm, I'm going to continue to let my anxiety levels rise. I've got to get to somewhere that's safe. Right? And in our faith life, it's the same way. As fear and anxiety begin to creep in because of doubt in our life, we need to find the things of God that we know to be true and hold on to those things. Those things that we're not doubting and grab hold of those. Those things that we trust more than anything and grab hold of it. Maybe it's the day of your salvation. Maybe that's what you cling to. Maybe as you begin to doubt God and those fears and those anxieties in life begin to rise that are rooted in your doubting God, then maybe you just look back and you, you remember that day that you trusted in Christ and you hold on to that and you begin there and you begin to build on that. Well, I know that God changed my life on this day. 
So therefore, what can I surmise from that? If I know that God changed my life on that day, then I know that God had to change my life for a purpose and a plan, right? Like, why would God change my life if He didn't have a purpose and a plan for me? And if He changed my life, then that means the reality is, is that the story of Jesus is real. And if Jesus is real and He was perfect and He died on a cross, then why would He do that? He did that because He loved me. Why did He do that? He did that because God sent Him. Because He had the conversation with God in the garden and the story that He said was, the, the conversation that He had was, God, if there's any other way, then let it pass. But if not, not my will, but Yours. What was God's will? God's will was for Jesus to die on the cross so that He could rise from the dead, so that we could trust in that. Why? Why would He do that? Because God loves me. So why do I doubt God's love for me? Why do I doubt God's goodness for me? He sent His own Son to the cross for me. Cling to what you know to be true. Cling to what we know to be right. This is number one. Number two is research what we're struggling with. What we do a lot of times when we have doubt in our life and therefore fear and anxiety begin to rise in our life, we just kind of go, okay, well, this is just the way that it is. Instead of digging into it. If I'm doubting God's goodness, I need to research God's goodness. I need to research it in Scripture. I need to research it in scholarly writings. I need to research it in people that I trust and people that I know to be solid in their faith. I need to dig into these things. I need to re- I don't just need to go, well, that's just the way it is. It's not a big deal. I need to dive into it. I need to research it. You want to know why the church in America is falling apart? It's because people's faith is rooted in the guy on stage. And when the guy on stage falls, and he will, our faith falls apart. We don't own it on our own. In the last 18 months, in the last 18 months, three pastors from three megachurches have committed suicide. Three pastors from three megachurches have committed suicide in the last 18 months. Now let me ask you this. If you're sitting in a congregation and your faith is rooted in a guy on stage who's delivering a message to you every week, and you don't own your own faith, and he takes his life, what hope do you have? Because the guy that just told you that God loves you more than anything, has a plan and a purpose for you, and that hope springs eternal in him, he just saw no hope in life and took his own life. So where's your hope? We have to own our faith. And when we're struggling, we have to dive head first into it on our own. We've got to tear it apart and build it back up in Christ. We have to research what we're struggling with. Number three, we've got to talk to God about it. We either seek advice from everyone else or we seek advice from no one else. But we need to stop going to everyone and we need to start going to the one. We need to seek advice from God. When we're struggling, when we're dealing with doubt in our life and therefore fear and anxiety began to rise and anxiety is paralyzing, anxiety keeps us from functioning, anxiety freezes our feet, it stops our brain, it keeps us from pushing forward, we need to have a conversation with God about it. We need to take it to Him. We need to converse with Him. We need to talk with Him. We need to spend time with Him. 
After all, if He's the one that we're doubting, He's the one that we need to have a conversation with. If I'm doubting my spouse, I need to have a conversation with my spouse. Not with everyone else. What do I accomplish by that? I just get everyone else's advice, everyone else's input. And half the people are going to tell me you should leave them, and half the people are going to tell me you should stick with them. The one I need to be having a conversation with is my spouse, because they're the one I'm having an issue with. When doubt's in my life, God's the one I need to be having a conversation with. First and foremost, I need to be talking to Him. I need to be looking to Him. That's part of fighting the good fight. Is spending time with Him. I can seek advice from others, but not before I have a conversation with God. I should seek the wise counsel of others around me, but not before I have a conversation with God. After all, he's the one I'm struggling with. So I should have a conversation with him. And fourth, after focusing on what we know to be true, researching what we're struggling with, talking and having a conversation with God, we need to lean on those with strong roots in times of troubling anxiety and doubt. All of us as believers should be identifying people in our lives whose roots run deep in Christ. And when the troubling times of anxiousness come to us, then we should be leaning on them and letting their roots help hold us up. Those around us that have dealt with the doubt, they've, they've pushed through the fear and anxious, the fearful and anxious moments of life, and they've remained true, they've remained solid, they've remained. In, in a trust relationship with Christ. And when we're dealing with these things, those are people that we can go to and we can lean on. Many times we just seek the advice of anybody and everybody. We just want to talk. And we'll take what anybody has to say. We won't identify those in our lives that we should be going to. And sometimes we won't even go to those people because we're afraid of what they in turn will think of us. But the reality is, is that those who have roots that run deep in Christ, when we come to them with our personal struggles, when we come to them with our personal doubts, when we come to them with our levels of fear and our levels of anxiety, they recognize that in their own self and they say, I'm so glad you came to me. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about God's plan in this. Let's talk about how we work through this. Let's pray about this. Let's go to Christ together about this. And those are the people that we can lean on in those difficult and tough times. So many of us never take the time to locate those people in our lives. We never take the time to, to identify them so that we know the safe place to run during the storm. I used to go to the crystals down on Broadway all the time and one day I walked in when I was in high school and I noticed a new sticker on the door I think I've talked about this before but I noticed a new sticker on the door and the sticker was a little house and it said this location is a safe place if you're in trouble and I thought that was weird because I thought if I'm in trouble the last place I'm thinking to go 
is crystals, right? Like, like there's a lot of reasons that I go to crystals. It's late at night and I'm hungry, so I go to crystals, right? I, I want heartburn, so I go to crystals, right? I, I don't have much money, so I pull my money and I go to crystals, right? Because used to you get crystals really cheap, and so when you had a pocket full of change, you could go to crystals and you could buy crystals. I want a lot to eat, and I don't have much money. So I'll go to Crystals. I was driving by Crystals uh, last week, and it said the sacks of 12 were half price. And I thought, oh, man, 12 Crystals for half price? That's a great deal, right? <laughs> Diabetes, curse you. So anyway, we, you know, we go on. And, and, and so I remember there's a lot of reasons I can think of going to Crystals, but one of them is not I'm in danger. I should go to Crystals. But I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that Crystals is a safe place. Now, I, I'm 100% certain that if I walked into Crystals and said, hey, I'm in trouble, I need help, they would go, what do you want me to do about it, right? Like, I don't honestly believe they would offer me any kind of help at Crystals, but it's stuck with me that they're a safe place. We need to identify those people in our lives that are a safe place. Those people in our lives that we can run to that won't look at us and go, well, what do you want me to do about it? But those people that will look at us and go, I know exactly what you're going through. Let's walk through this together. I know exactly what you're dealing with. Let's walk through this together. And when it comes to those people, we can't let pride get in the way. We can't say, man, I don't want to go to them because what will they think of me? How will they see me? You know, what will they tell other people? We have to trust that their roots run deep for a reason. And that they're not going to see the struggle in us. They're going to see the victory in us. And they're going to help us walk to that. Four simple steps. When fear and anxiety and ultimately doubt are in our lives, focus on what we know to be true. Research what we're struggling with. Talk to God about it and lean on the deep roots of those around us that we've identified as people that we can trust. Listen, doubt is not an isolated event. It brings with it side effects that have great and lasting impact on our life if we don't deal with them. Fear and anxiety are two of those. Scripture tells us that they are a certainty in our life. And they tell us that we must fight them through our faith. So fear and anxiety are side effects of doubt, and the battle is to dive deep into our faith. The very thing that we're doubting, the very thing that we're struggling with, to dive deep into it and find the certainty of it, find the reality of it, find the truth of it. God tells us, fight the good fight. This is how we come out on the other side as a victor. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I don't know what is going on in the lives of the people that are in this room today. God, I don't know if we have those that are openly dealing with doubt. God, I know that we probably have those that are dealing with anxiousness and fear and certain things that are going on in their lives right now, God. And fear and anxiousness are often a side effect of us not trusting God in that area in our life. Many times, Lord, we wouldn't vocalize it as, Jesus, I don't trust you in this area of my life, but we're struggling in that area because we're trying to handle it on our own. And when we try to handle something on our own rather than trusting you with it, Lord, it's, it's called doubt. 
And so Jesus, I don't know. Maybe it's just me in the room. Maybe I'm talking to myself. But I just don't think so, God. I think that we have those in the room right now, Lord, that are questioning the very basis, the very core root of their faith. Do I believe in an omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, loving God? But I believe that we have those that are dealing with the idea that you have a plan or a purpose for them. God, I believe that we have some who aren't trusting you in the small areas of their life, relationships, finances, whatever it may be, and fear and anxiety have crept in, or the anxiousness of finances, the fear of failure. God, it's because we're focusing on ourselves in those areas. So God, I... I don't think I'm dealing with a foreign concept here today to people. Lord, I think I'm speaking to right where many of us are at. We just don't want to label it as what it is. Jesus, anytime we trust ourselves over You, we doubt You and Your goodness. And so Jesus, I pray that You just meet people where they're at right now. God, I pray that you would just give them the ability to see your goodness and see your love and see your perfection, see your plan, see your great willingness to meet us right where we're at. And God, just allow us to push through, to persevere, to find you in the midst of our anxiety, of our fear, Lord, of the storm of doubt that we create around us. God, if there's anyone here today that's dealing with any of this, Lord, I pray that you just allow them to to come to you right now and say, God, help me through this. Jesus, we just pray that over the next couple of minutes, if you're speaking to hearts, you would give us strength and courage to respond. We ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Jeff's going to lead us this morning, and as he does, if God is speaking to your heart, would you just respond to him as we sing?